Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today, as usual. And we have a wonderful interview with one of our repeaters, one of the guys that we always have here. He wrote a hell of an article on climate change. Well, more than climate. It's more, more, it's more a social, uh, uh, social environmental justice kind of a piece. And he gave a hell of an interview uh, that we're going to go through today. I think you guys are going to like what, what he has to say because what he has to say is prescient, something that we have to talk about. Anyhow, what's going on? What's happening today? There is much to go through, and I still am not – you know, I kind of had a late start today, guys. Um, I had a whole lot of stuff going on, and I still don't have all of my sharing done. So what I want to ask all of you before we get too, 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 too busy is to please, por favor, go ahead right now and start sharing our, our program on your Twitter, on your Tumblr, on your feeds, everywhere, whether it's only video or audio as well. That is the way we can get the throughput that we need to make sure that people learn, let people understand what is going on. Yes, we need who? You. This is us. This is us doing all this work, making sure that things get done. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to make sure I got everything right here. I got my YouTube up. All's going good. Let me say hi to my... Uh, actually, before we do that, share that stuff for me. Let me go. There's a share that I'm missing here. I don't know why I have yet to do it, but I am doing it right now that I've got to get to a particular group and when i'm done with that group we can yes rest in peace rest in peace uh el señor dmx uh he died he uh, uh they said he had a heart attack and he died uh sad to hear about that but then of course uh, prince philip died and i wrote a tweet earlier today that i said uh, I, I rest in peace prince philip i also said uh, something to the effect of, uh, on the human side, I feel sorry for all those who are mourning his death right now. But let's not all start to suffer from the Stockholm Syndrome. The monarchies from around the world, in, in their creation of empires, devastated the world. They plundered, they killed, they murdered... So let's not sit down and look at these guys looking nice and pompous with their nice clothes on and want to have them some sort of a reverence. It always dra drove me crazy that Jamaica and the Bahamas and all these other countries used to have the queen on their money after their independence because of the Commonwealth, the governor, the queen still had a governor of all these places that were a part of the Commonwealth. What kind of crap is that? If you're an independent country, you're a darn independent country. Punto y final. No hay más de que hablar. Nothing else to speak about, right? Don't you agree? Let me hear what you think about that. Okay, Michael Rudnan. CDC declares racism a serious public health threat. What we know is this. Racism is a serious public health threat that directly affects the well-being of millions of Americans. Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, said in a statement, as a result, it affects the health of our entire nation. And I'm glad that she said that, the entire nation. Thanks for that pick, Rodnin. And the reason why, a lot of people sit down. As long as we think racism only affects the other, 
it will never change because we have a tendency to be a bit more introspective than that. But the reality is racism hurts us all. And we've, we've gone over many of that in many of the programs that we've done before, and we've, we've kind of hit on that here and there. Second note from Radnin, how a gas company grossly underestimated one of the biggest pipeline spills in U.S. history. After the disaster in Huntersville, Colonial Pipeline now holds the record for largest gas spill in both North and South Carolina. Thanks to its polished PR team, you likely have no clue. This is a story about the second largest oil spill in America's history that has largely gone unnoticed. My guess not a single person in the chat today will have heard a thing about it. And Rudnin, you would be absolutely right in my case. I had not heard about it. So thank you for bringing that out. So welcome, Michael Rudnin. Welcome, AVQ Rudnin. Julie Van Astel, good afternoon, Egberto. Bridge MCP and all others. Deborah John, welcome aboard. Deborah John, Paul Fleming, ATL, checking in. Whoop, whoop. Eric Hayes, hi, how could the guy in College Station even get bond for what he did yesterday? Did he get bond, Eric? I don't know if he got bond. Tell me, let me know. Uh, Bridge MCP, hey, all. Bridge MCP said, doesn't care about British royalty. Thank you, even though you are a, were a, Bridget's, a British subject, weren't you, Bridge MCP? I think you were a subject of the British government. But it's great that you've unshackled yourself from all that that represents. I am so proud of those who've said, we have unshackled ourselves permanently from the crown. Thank you so kindly, because the crown is full of, we all know what. Anyhow, continuing, Eric Hayes, he was instrumental in World War II, but do understand the point. Uh, I don't care. World War II is a thing that was uh, a bunch of monarchies fighting each other, right? Hey, what the heck? Monarchy, pseudo-monarchy, whatever you want to call it, right? Paul Fleming, replying to Michael Rennan, it's only because of our cell phones with the ability to record that this country see it as a problem. But it's been this way for my entire life and my mother and father's life. Very true, Paul Fleming. But, you know, even the cell phone is not enough, as you know, Paul. Even the cell phone is not enough. We can see somebody beat themselves, the, their skulls into the ground and still get, well, reasonable doubt, get off. If it happens to people with a particular level of melanin that happens, right? But the younger generation, things are changing. Because people are living together, they're interacting with each other, they're really finally, into, finally accepting each other's humanity and realizing that that person could be me. Not that black person could be me or that white person could be me or that, that, that uh, Asian person could be me. But that person could be me. And when Americans start thinking about that American could be like this American, then we would have changed. You know, when I think about who do I aspire to be, I've always aspired to be the things that I want, not the hue of the things that I want. Eric Hayes, one million. I'm not sure what that is, but you may want to update Tom C., USA almost had a monarchy, 1-6-2021. GOP and MAGA mob still wants King Trump coronation in 2024. <laughs> Trump, look, I am, I am still shocked that Trump is still powerful. Trump is going, by, by 2022, Trump is going to be history. Derek Chauvin trial is going well, I think. Paul Let Stanzel, welcome aboard. Tom C., welcome aboard. Bridget, yes, British subject. 
Big trouble in North Northern Ireland. I know they're showing buses going up in flames in Northern Ireland. It seems like what happens is the British wanted Brexit. Northern Ireland didn't. Northern and Southern Ireland, I think they should kind of work out a deal and 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 uh, separate from. Uh, I think Northern Ireland should separate from England, from Great Britain, and somehow become a part of the entire. Uh, it, it sounds. It looks. It still seems so empire-ish that Northern Ireland belongs to the UK, right? May Wood, welcome aboard. Carl Foster, Trump 2024. Really, Carl? Okay, Carl. Huh. Tell us why you want Trump in 2024. What do you think that Biden is not doing correctly that Trump showed you in 2016 through 2020, uh, through 2020 that he did better or would have been more successful in doing I don't want us to be fighting about, I want Trump. I want Biden. I want you to tell me what has he done successfully to materially affect your life to make it better, Brother Carl Foster. Let me, let me know what it is. Uh, Maywood, how is everyone today? We're fine. Eric Hayes, nope, fighting Hitler. I know Hitler. You got the point when I said pseudo-monarchy, right? Carl Cox, tired of hearing about royals, especially the British. They are thieves. Thank you. That's what they are, thieves. Just like capitalists, no different. Eric Hayes, bond of the guy. One, oh, wow. I didn't know that, Eric. Uh, you see, that is an issue, right? And You and I spoke about that before. All right, PDR trying to separate for 200 years, hence the fighting. Got you, got you, Bridge. Charles Lindahl, hello all fellow PDR folk. Welcome aboard. Bridge MCP, Carl Cox, True AVQ. Carl, pick a Trump policy you support. My guess your reply will be telling. Yeah, I asked him, pick, the po pick a policy that he likes. Paulette stands to what Northern Ireland again? Uh, nope, a peep said in the MSM. They are not talking about Israeli election either, which was almost a failure. They have uh, Netanyahu trying to form a government that he's going to have to use a right-wing, crazy, con uh, conservative party and a, an Arab party. <laughs> Please tell me, how is he going to form a government? But we don't hear about it, right? Charles Lindahl looks intense. Eric Hayes, murder a bad fallen in bond. I agree with you, Hayes. Uh, Eric, you and I are in agreement on that, sir. Mary Wood replying to Michael Rudnin. Uh, the same with under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, only added in the 50s. All right, let's get busy. What is the show going to be about today? Let's talk about what the show is going to be today. Here we go, and I'll put it on the screen. The show today is para ver, Patrick Carlin speaks on climate. Jen Psaki lays waste to reporter. Amazon Union vote fail. Uh, let me read one more. Egberto, are you aware when you touch the like button, it is actually taking a photo of the last two weeks? Uh, very obvious. Many have noticed it. Uh, what are you talking about, Deborah John? When you like something, what do you mean it takes a photo of the last two weeks? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Please tell me what you're talking about. Then I can actually start to uh, tell. Uh, Charlie Lindahl, exterminate all the... Brutes is a four-part hybrid docuseries that provides a visual arresting journey through time into the darkest hours of humanity. Uh, let's see. Paul Stancil, yeah, on news last two days. Not sure about MSM. Okay, let's go ahead and start our first video. I think you are going to like what Jen Psaki did out here. Check it out. 
one of the reasons Jen Psaki is an effective spokesperson for the president is because she knows how to answer questions, not only in a manner in which uh, addresses the, the issue that the reporter is talking about, but also to change the paradigm. The old paradigm is you don't have bipartisanship if Republican senators and Congress people simply don't want, if they decide to obstruct, period, you don't get its bipartisanship. It's an impossibility. But as you can see with the infrastructure bill and other bills, most Americans, including Republicans, want them. So if that bill passes with only Democratic support, is it a bipartisan bill? Of course it is. So it is necessary for the uh, for Jen Psaki and other of the spokespersons for the White House to change the paradigm, to change the discourse. And I think she effectively did this, and she also cornered the reporter specifically by saying, are you saying that what the American people want does not matter? Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. Does the president, who is an avowed bipartisan guy, uh, put getting one or more Republicans to support this? Uh, and you, you've been saying consistently that it doesn't, in a way, it doesn't matter what they do on the Hill because the, the public supports what the president is doing, and you point to polls, and they do say. We that. don't say it doesn't matter. It's just an impact, and there is a question that I hope your colleagues on the Hill ask a number of Republicans, which is, why would they oppose uh, investment in our nation's infrastructure when the vast majority of the American public thinks it's imperative we do? But as the secretary just said. The disagreement is not really about the need to modernize our nation's infrastructure. It's about the size. It's about the pay-fors. And we absolutely understand there will be compromise. There will be debate. That's all a part of the process. Is it a little dangerous to be always citing the polls, though, as your, basically your, your credibility? Do you, do you not think polls? the American people's view is important as it relates to what elected officials do uh, on the Hill? Sure. Don't polls change a lot, whereas the elected officials are elected officials? There's been pretty consistent support for infrastructure. And I think it's an important point. We feel like it, it's an important point because when we talk about bipartisanship, we're talking about how we meet the needs of the American people. Republicans, independents, Democrats, rebuilding bridges is not a Democratic idea. Um, ensuring kids don't have access to have access to clean water is not a democratic idea. Broadband access probably actually impacts more rural areas that might be leaning more Republican than Democratic if you look at it, the maps across the country. So our point is this is addressing not a political issue. This is addressing a, a um, vital uh, need in the country that's not uh, that impacts all of the American people. I mean, she completely completely laid him to waste, civilly, of course, and then she began to school him. Now, that is how you start to change the paradigm of reporters who continue their quest to be Fox Light reporters, not looking at what the real issues are, but trying to find a gotcha or a false balance, etc. Jen Psaki has learned the formula of how to get these guys to start Either if they don't ask a question, lay waste to them. And that is important because the American people need to see that. The American people need to see when we have misbehaving reporters, misbehaving journalists, and then placed into the proper context. Exactly so. Um, I want to answer a few questions real quick here. Uh, Eric Hayes, when you talk about 38% uh, infrastructure, let me tell you something better, okay? The problem is how we define infrastructure. If you want there to be trucks to drive over those bridges, 
that in, that's part of infrastructure. You also have to have the human infrastructure set up in such a manner that human beings can use that infrastructure that we're talking about. So it is very, 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 very important that we, uh, that we, we do that. I think uh, Eric Hayes is trying to cite the t- 38%. Look, I, look, the truth of the matter, uh, folks, is that infrastructure bill is smaller than it should be. It should be a lot larger based on the, the neglect that we've had for decades. So um, instead of going pity patty for where the money is going, go search for where the money is going and then go ahead and say what particular items that you don't think should be paid for with our dollars. You know, it's easy to just come out and say, oh, only 38 percent is going for bridges, roads and, 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 and that sort of thing. Ask yourself, what don't you want to spend? Welcome aboard, Bruce Pollard. Welcome aboard, Norman Reynolds. I, I scrolled right past you, Norman, and you know I can't miss the person who is going to be or who has been the narrator of It's Worth It. When it comes out in audiobook, it's going to be the voice of Norman Reynolds. Man, the guy has a voice. A lot of you ladies, when you listen to Norman Reynolds' voice, I'm going to have to tell his wife, hey, keep him away. Keep him away, that voice. Now, I'm, I'm messing with you, Norman. I'm messing with you. All right, E2247, welcome aboard. Speaking to a federal judge today, representatives of Biden, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, indicated that the agency will not take immediate action to shut down the Dakota Access Line. Bad move. Biden recently announced intentions to improve travel consultation and take bold action to tackle climate change, but took a stance today that it is identical to that of the former guy, a.k.a. 45. I hear you, E2247. Let's give, let's give the system a chance to work. Uh, in engineering, we have a thing called gradients. We, we have a concept called gradients. Whenever you create large gradients, in other words, whenever you create sharp ch- changes, depending on, on what issue it is, it, things can go bad. Now, we want to shock. We want sharp changes in certain things. Certain things we can accept not having sharp ch- changes, and there are certain things we just can't do. Sharp changes. There are three degrees. And this one I don't have the answer for, but I'd love to discuss it further. Alberto, let's see. Eric Hayes, why can't she answer questions about the South regions as she defects? Charlie, let's see. Uh, Jen P. just stated it properly. The debate is on what is infrastructure and how to pay for it exactly. Actually, remember we did a show recently with uh, Stephanie Kelton who actually made a whole lot of sense out of that. Ituna individual bills make sense. All right. Eric Hayes, guess should, let's, let's go back. There. Yes, it should be. Uh, AOC t- said $10 trillion, And it, she didn't just pull that out of her, you know what? It makes sense. You look at what we have not done over the decades, it makes sense. All right, guys, I'm going to have to go to another video real quick. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, uh, we had the film director yesterday. I really enjoy talking to him, but there's something that I want to, I want to centralize on that he said. And I want you guys to listen to this because this is what gives us not hope, but this is what tells us what's happening out there. And let's highlight the good that is happening out there and let it drown out the bad as we decimate the bad. Check. And when he said it, he said it in the beginning of the interview and it really touched me. I want you to listen to this. Arthur Kanagis is president of Future Wave Inc. He is the director, producer of The World is My Country. What got you into doing documentaries of this nature? 
Well, when I was working on doing the, the War Without Winners film with Paul Newman, we also got the opportunity to do to, to help with the film the day after. I was just a researcher on it, but I was there in Washington, D.C. They were building the sets, and they said, okay, you know, uh, one mile from the epicenter, what's it going to look like? I'd go over to the Pentagon, do all the research, and, and fax it out to them. And I woke up with nuclear war nightmare. We could be destroyed in a moment's notice. And... I just started to get paralyzed with fear. There's an ocean of darkness, and I drowned in the night till I came through the darkness to the ocean of light. And the light's forever, and the light makes us free. I'll dwell in the glory of the light, said he. And what struck me about that is the deeper you dig into almost any area, you get to think, if you thought that was bad, it's worse than that. And if you thought that was bad, it's 100 times worse. And if you thought that was bad, wait till you hear this. And you can drown in that. And at the same time, all around the world, people are helping each other, reaching out. I, I'm in Rotary, all over, we're helping people get glasses, vision, people helping dogs get spayed and neutered, people loving their kids, their flowers growing, oceans out here, and there's an ocean of light. And I decided that I wanted to dwell in that ocean of light. If what we imagine helps create our reality, then why do we keep imagining only horrible things and wondering why we're not getting to the positive future? And I decided to dedicate my life the films that gave us a vision and hope and, and the joy of experiencing moving into the positive future that we the people can create uh, in the people-powered planet. The reason I like that, right, is because what he's saying is, is prescient. We concentrate so much on the negative, on the bad, when there are a lot of good people out there doing a lot of good things, let's highlight a lot of, let's not forget about the bad things that are happening. Let's not, let's just not give it play. Let's give play to the good things that are happening and then decimate the bad things that are happening. Point out the bad things and make sure to cut the cord, cut the shoes, cut the chair from, pull the chair from over those that are putting out the darkness. And let's, let's highlight, let's elevate those that are doing the things that are positive. Anyhow, um, let's see, we are at 26. I'm going to do a quick ask now, and then I, I'll go ahead and play the, the, this uh, Patrick Carolyn, because I love the interview we did with Patrick Carolyn. Please, folks, if you're on YouTube, click that Join button and consider becoming a part of our YouTube Posse. If you don't have that Join button on YouTube or if you're on Facebook or any other place, go ahead and click politicsdoneright.com slash, oh, I did that wrong. PoliticsUnright.com slash YouTube. PoliticsUnright.com slash YouTube. You can also go ahead and consider getting our mug designed by our leader, Bridge MCP, who designed a mug. And I have that on the screen right now with all the folks that, well, some of the folks, very few of the folks actually, that have purchased the mug and started to uh, send us a picture and say, hey, this is what I look like with your mug. Enjoy that. So please go ahead and click that join button. Become a part of the posse. If you do it right now, I'll actually put it up on the screen. Uh, you can also support us via Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There you go on the screen. Or you can support us as well via PayPal. P-A- well, everybody knows how to say PayPal. I don't need to write that out. But that's the link. Politicsunright.com slash PayPal. Now, uh, you can get our book. And that's the book that you're going to see on the screen. It's worth it. How to talk to a right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors. How to talk to a right-wing friends and neighbors. You can get that at this Amazon, <clears throat> at this Amazon link. But if you want to get rid of the young, the, the middle person, you can get it directly from our store. And there is our store, politicsandright.com/store. 
And uh, let's see. Then when we do that, I will send you as well. Hey, ¿qué pasó? Voy a mandarte el bumper sticker. And I'll sign the book as well. Okay, let's go ahead and get into our interview. I love this guy. Let's get busy. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. We are honored once again to uh, have a discussion with Patrick Carlin, who is the Catholic social justice advocate, originally from Connecticut and currently working with Vote Common Good as director on Catholic Outreach. His opinions do not necessarily reflect those of the Franciscan Action Network, but his opinions are definitely needed by us all. Welcome aboard, Patrick. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm doing great. Um, my wife and I both got our uh, vaccines, so we're feeling free. Um, uh, you still wearing your mask when you go out? or I wear my mask everywhere we go. We're still keeping socially distant, doing all that. And actually, uh, three of my four children have now been vaccinated, and my fourth child is, has her appointment scheduled for uh, about two weeks. Excellent, excellent. I got my two as well. I got the Moderna. Which one did you get? I got Pfizer. You got Pfizer. Excellent. Anyway, look, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to talk is you wrote a pretty long piece, a very detailed piece, and it is called Bold Visionary Thinking is Necessary for Climate uh, for Climate. You know, for, <laughs> wait, let me repeat that. Bold Visionary Thinking is Necessary to Combat Climate Crisis. Mm-hmm. And before we even get into the meat of that, I'm going to tell you one particular uh, phrase that stuck out to me, uh, Patrick, and I want to start there, and then we can move on into the details of the, the piece. But it, this is what was said in there. Natural creatures have an intrinsic value independent of their usefulness. Each mm-hmm. organism as a creature or as a creature of God is good and admirable in itself. The same is true of the harmonious ensemble of organisms existing in a defined space and functioning as a system. I think that phrase alone, Mm -hmm. that phrase alone, if humanity could follow that, it would solve just about every problem we have today. So let's go ahead and first expand on that. Yeah, and and so, I I mean, first of all, that's part of uh, Franciscan thinking, Franciscan spirituality that comes from the teachings of St. Francis and others like Bonaventure. Um, but, it, but it's the intersectionality of, of all, everything. And you know, um, 50 years ago, there was a man, Lynn White, who wrote a piece, an article, and he said that our ed- ecological problems is fundamentally a theological problem. It's not a science problem. It's a theological problem. And his, his thesis was, and he focused it on the idea that, our, and particularly Christianity, he was talking about Christianity, that our Christian belief, our Christian theology teaches us that we have dominion over creation and that creation is here to serve us. Not, we're not all part of, we're not in relationship with creation. And he said, until that changes, we're never going to solve the ecological problem. Um, now we moved away from that a little bit, but he didn't really go far enough. He's talked about that. But what he should have said was the whole idea of our theology as a whole as Christians and the theology of we're here to go there. Our only purpose here is to go there, wherever the there is. 
And so as long as we believe that we're here so we can get to there, everything we do is about us getting to there. Jesus taught us that what we're here for is to create the kingdom of heaven here. And so if we change our theology and we have an opportunity to do that, it is changing, it's evolving, so that we're building the kingdom of heaven, that kingdom of heaven will look at all of, will look at the common good, the common home, and look at all of creation from that perspective of the intrinsic value. You know, a tree, and I wrote this in the article, a tree today only has value um, it's only in, inherent value is when it's standing in the forest and it has value when it can be cut down and sold. So the question is, is the wood more valuable than the cost of cutting it down? It has no value in terms of serving as a home for birds and squirrels and other animals, as a home for what it does to, to provide oxygen, what it does to connect all of us through its root systems. It has no value from that just from an economic standpoint. So we need to rethink our whole system, starting with our theology, to be focused on the common good. Now, that is uh, profound, Patrick. And I think uh, we can expand on that a bit more, right? Because <laughs> if you look at, at as capitalism as defined, where it's all about the maximization of profit solely for the benefit of the person who owns that company, the shareholder, uh, then that is how you look at things. But you don't only look, you use the tree as an example, right? And we're mm-hmm. here to talk about the environment and climate change, et cetera. But I, I believe it actually starts with human beings. Mm-hmm. If Let's expand on that statement that I started with. It stated that one should not look at the intrinsic value independent of usefulness. And what we've done with our economic system is the complete opposite of that. If we look at a person that doesn't have work to do or a person that isn't producing something of value. We don't look at, well, that person may be doing something that we don't in our society value, but mm-hmm. it's still something being done. Why don't you, let's move it from the tree and yeah. move it to how humans are treated right now. And then we'll get back to the climate. Yeah. And, and, and that's absolutely true. I mean, just look at, at um, arts people in the art world and you know people used to be valued for their artwork now their artwork is only good if it's can be sold for a price and music people you know and you know that you're in the entertainment business people focus right their music so that it can be commercialized and sold um so we we've lost that intrinsic value we've lost that connectedness to each other we're living in a world where it's all about me as an individual and again, I, I always go back to the theology, the Christian theology of we're here to go there. And so, um, you know, helping the poor is a, a good example. It's good that we spend time helping the poor only insofar as it helps us get to heaven. If we're helping the poor to help the poor and that's not helping us to get to heaven, then we're not, it's not valuable. And so we need to move away from the theology of we're here for it's a you know salvation redemption we're here for salvation and redemption we're not here for salvation redemption we're here for creation and we all have an intrinsic value god is part of us we're part of god and so because of that we have to see god in each other and then we have to see the intrinsic value in each other whether we're you know artists whether or whether the person who you know cleans up the uh, toilet bowls 
We all have an intrinsic value and we're all part of the one. Um, and until we get to see that, then we're never gonna, we're never gonna overcome um, economic inequality. We're never gonna overcome human trafficking. We're not gonna overcome any of those. St. Clair was a, a Franciscan, one of the founders of the Franciscan order with St. Francis. And she said that you should see Christ in everybody and Christ should see, and everybody should see Christ in you. And if you're not doing that, go home and start over. And so we have to have that connection to each other. We're all part of the one. We're all individuals as part of the one, but we are part of the whole. And it should be, as Pope Francis talks about, this is our common home. And, you know, I, I often share and talk about every single day, 18,000 children die of starvation or hunger. We could cut our defense budget by 20% in this country, wouldn't hurt our defense at all, and feed every single child in the world forever. So no child would have to go hungry if we just cut 20% off our defense budget. We have to start thinking that way of the common good, not this is going to help me individually or this is going to help my little subset, my group, because um, we're all part of one group. And, you know, it, it is interesting because there are two things that you, you specified, and I think these are specified within the Christian religion, right? That one, we are the dominators of nature. Nature is supposed to be dominated by us. And number two, uh, that uh, we have to start looking at the other at, at human beings for who they are and not as a transition, uh, not doing good towards that human being as a transition to that better yes. whatever it is that we want. And when you when you look when you it, it takes a different frame, and we have the evangelical Christians right now that, in effect, they they go through checkpoints of uh, of what they believe is going to get them to heaven, and they are ruthless in the way they try to enforce it. Of course, most of their leaders are unable to do so uh, in any other than a hypocritical way, but um, th that is that is their their tenet altogether. I think what you're pointing out here, and I think what the article points out, and like I said, it's an environmental article, but that was a, that statement that I read was what jumped out at me. Yeah. In reading that statement, it was like, wow, this doesn't only apply to the environment, the intrinsic value of a tree, the intrinsic value of that lion, the intrinsic value of that elephant. What is it actually doing to make somebody some money? What is it actually doing to keep society as, a, to, to keep the entire ecosystem as a whole so we have mm -hmm. to look differently now in your in your piece that you wrote you pointed out that for some time now the popes you're catholic the, of the franciscan nature uh for some some time now the pope we have a franciscan as a pope now uh, he's actually a jesuit he's not a franciscan uh, so. jesuit uh, <laughs> jesuit i uh, what's okay. the difference <laughs> What's the difference? Help me. What's the difference? Oh, you, you want to know the difference between the Jesuits and the Franciscans? Yes. We still pretend to be humble. The Jesuits have given up all pretense of being humble. Okay, now, uh, <laughs> but they all do good stuff, right? Oh, yeah. No, no. They're, they're just different orders within the Catholic Church. The Franciscans were founded by St. Francis. The Jesuits were founded by Ignatius. But there's Got a it. little bit of a, you know, I, I often tell people, people ask me about Pope Francis and how do we feel as Franciscans about Pope Francis being a Jesuit and taking the name of Francis. And I say, well, all of us in our youth and through our youthful exuberance have made mistakes and errors. And we're so grateful that our Holy Father, as he got older and wiser, saw the errors of his ways. So. 
oh, you humble guy. <laughs> I, no, I said we pretend to be humble. You pretend to be <laughs> humble. But anyway, what you've stated in your article is that these popes, Pope Francis, Pope uh, Benedict, Benedict and the one II. before Benedict, Pope, uh, I don't remember his last his name. Before John Paul Benedict, II. John Paul II uh, went ahead and they were always in, uh, writing edicts towards the environment. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And what is it going to take for all these leaders around the world who tend to want to follow uh, the Christian form, not really applying that to the capitalism that is right now destroying the planet? Yeah, and, and just let me comment on that. I mean, I, I look at things through the vision of a Christian because I'm Christian, but I often quote the Quran too. So if you read the Quran, you'll see a lot of the similar statements in the Quran and in the Torah and in, you know, pretty much every other faith tradition. So it's just, for me, it's easy because I was raised Christian and Catholic, and that's, that's what I quote. But it could be any faith tradition. Um, and, the, I mean, I think the popes understood the connection. First of all, the idea that we are not here to be dominant over nature. You know, even the term... Wait, let, 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 me, let me halt you right there one second. You said we're not here to be dominant over no. nature, but that is what's preached by. If you go to any Pentecostal church, if oh, you absolutely. go to a, 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 uh, a, one of these evangelical churches, that's what they're, they're teaching. And I believe there's a state, a part of the Bible that insinuates that. Isn't that true? There's parts of the Bible that insinuate lots of things. Right. I mean, the part of the Bible that talks about slavery being. Well, that's too. true. Very true. So Very true. I, you know, you have to read the Bible from that perspective. Um, and yes, there's, there's Catholics, who, there's bishops and, and uh, priests who still preach that. But that's not the teaching, that's not the teaching for, that we get from St. Francis. It's certainly not the teachings that we got from Jesus. And so th those are more teachings that came from Aristotle. Most of our theology today comes from Aristotle, not from Jesus. Um, so, you know, we have to think about that perspective. Um, and that's why I keep saying we need to rethink our theology. We need to, our theology has to evolve. So, so the Pope's I think have come to, particularly Francis, but Benedict and, and John Paul too, to an extent, come to the, I, the, the realization that we're not here to be uh, dominant over creation, that creation is part of the one. We're all part of creation. We have, you know, we have value, but the tree has value in creation. And that, um, you know, we, we, we got to stop being transactional and become relational. And this is what the, the real beauty of what St. Francis taught us. Everything we do for the most part now, whether it's, you know, economic, spiritual, it's all transactional. We need to start to become relational. We have to be in relationship with creation, not transactional about creation. We have to be in relationship with each other, not transactional with each other. You know, I can't help you because it's going to be good for me. That's, defeating the purpose completely. And so we have to move in that direction. And, and let me also say, I wrote a piece a couple months ago about this, about COVID. And, you know, COVID is starting to come, we're starting to see the light. Uh, I hate to use the term light at the end of the tunnel because Trump used that term all the time. But we're starting to see um, COVID go away a little bit. We're starting to see some hope. Um, and you hear people saying all the time, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. And I wrote a piece that said, we don't want to get back to normal because normal wasn't good. We want to create, we have an opportunity to create a new normal. We have an opportunity to do better. Um, and that's 
focusing on the common good. Uh, you know, we should all, everything we do, our laws, our government actions, our government programs, anything that we do should be focused on the common good. And then we'll start to build that society that we all hope and dream about. We're not gonna do that by passing this law or that law. It's how, when we change our basic theology and our basic ways we interact with each other. Did you send me that article? Because that is an article that I would definitely want to- I'll uh, send it to you. I, I don't, please send that article to me because I think that, I mean, there are others that have written uh, similar articles. We don't want to return to what we thought was normal because what was normal was not all that good. Right. What was yeah, normal? I'll send it to you. No. I, I have no idea if I sent it to you or not, but you know. Please do. I want, I want to get that one posted as well. Um, yeah. Now, now, Patrick, you, um, you brought up the Green New Deal yeah. in, your, in the piece as well. Now, I, I have some mixed feelings about um, how the Green New Deal is marketed. And I think uh, you've just even gave me reason to, to state that it's, we could use the Green New Deal to ch- reframe thinking as well. Right now, in order to placate many... The Green New Deal is mostly being sold as a job creator. It's being sold as it's going to be good for employment. It's going to be good as opposed to what it's really going to be good for sustainability, mm-hmm. uh, home, uh, homogeneous environment, and, and, and equity. Uh, uh, all, all these, the, the things that really should sell it, the great jobs is just a byproduct of good things happening. Yes. So expand on that for me. Yeah, I mean, the Green New Deal, in my opinion, is really about how we relate to each other. Um, It goes much deeper than just, it's a job creation. It certainly will create jobs. Um, And, you know, it's it's fascinating. There's a whole part of the Green New Deal that talks about a just transition. And so when you think about that, you think about, it's easy, and I, I have this discussion with my friends that work in the green uh, organizations, and they often talk about all the green jobs we're creating. And I say, that's great. You know where we're not creating green jobs? In Western Pennsylvania, or in West Virginia, or in the other areas where the fo- jobs in fossil fuel are. So if we really wanna talk about, we have to think about it from that perspective of how do we create jobs in these communities where job loss is happening? How do we you know, think about it holistically. And that's what the Green New Deal does, is think about holistically how do we move forward, not look at each of these individual things. The other side of it is, as you you know, you saw, and I think I mentioned this in the article, in the uh, last election, you know, people were talking about the Green New Deal as if it was from Satan. Um, and, you know, it, it's so, so just the term Green New Deal has taken on you know, a whole meaning in itself, depending on which side of the aisle you're from. And we have to move away from that. We have to move away from labeling it as this, just what you said. This is not what it is. It is an idea, a concept of how we can start to relate to each other, how we can build community together. It gives us a blueprint for doing that. This is not a piece of legislation that's going to mandate it. It's a blueprint for how. And, and we need to start doing more of that. We need to start looking at, we, we talk about how, well, we have to do better. You know, we have to deal with income inequality. We have to deal with uh, racism, but we don't talk about how we're gonna deal with that, how we're gonna uh, approach that. We just talk about that, we have to do it. 
we have to move beyond that part of it into the action side and say, here's some steps we can take to do it. Not going to be easy. People are going to be angry People, because people are going to lose some part of their lifestyle. They're going to get angry when that happens. But we have to be understand that and be ready for that and, and, and you know, provide some healing. As people of faith, we have to be there to help people grieve over the loss of their lifestyle. Um, but it's part of what the common good is about. We're all in this together. One of the reasons I love talking to you is that uh, you force what we all know as critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Because the problem we have today is people don't think from the brain. They don't think critically. They have a tendency to think from the hip. I know you can't really do that, but you understand what I mean. In other <laughs> yeah. words, I, I throw out a phrase that hits you. I, I know how to throw those phrases out that hits you a particular way. And you don't get a chance to, to, to really start thinking about what the person is saying. What I've learned to do over the years is to let somebody give their entire thought so that I can make a complete analysis of it. And what I love about your piece, which is a fairly long piece, Mm-hmm. is that that is exactly what you did, not only from your own think, your own critical thinking, but also from the thinking of many others that have come before you or that are there mm-hmm. with you. I think that is what's important. So, yeah. you know, I, I, um, a couple of years ago, and this is shortly after the, the uh, Green New Deal proposal came out, I was invited to give a talk in, in Western Pennsylvania. And it was at a Catholic church. And um, the person who invited me mentioned to me, you probably, they, they wanted me to give a talk about Laudato Sea and climate. And they said, you probably shouldn't mention the Green New Deal because, you, you know, this is Western Pennsylvania, it's cold country to an extent. So I went and I talked all about the Green New Deal. I didn't mention the Green New Deal. I didn't mention climate change. And at the end of my talk, people were very much supportive of everything I said. If I had gone in there and said the word Green New Deal or climate change, they would have blocked off completely. They would have never listened to another word I had to say. So we really have to think about how we present things. And it's not, we're not trying to be deceiving people. We're just trying to get them to listen a little more and, and, and really think, as, as you said, critically. That is a magic right there, um, because I, I've run through that same thing with, in my conservative area, having conversation with people on Medicare for All. And we, I sat down with this woman and we talked about Medicare for all, but I didn't never use the word. I just thought it wouldn't it be nice if, because she was having problems with her insurance company, but she was a conservative to the core who believed in the entire capitalist form of health insurance. And I said, we were talking nicely. And I told her things like, don't you think it would be nice if we did this? And wouldn't it be nice? If we, and, or, yes. and, and then sometimes I asked her, what would you have done? And sometimes the answer she gave is the answer that Medicare for all gives. Yes. And I started to feel a bit guilty because it was like, oh, my God, this woman doesn't know that she's talking to a left wing, left wing (laughs) kind of dude, you know. And I said, ma'am, I just want you to know that I am very liberal. I'm a progressive guy. To put it bluntly, I'm a democratic socialist. She her eyes opened wide. She turned very red and she said, but you're so nice. (laughs) You don't have horns. (laughs) And then what I said is we all are. They are too. Yeah. We have allowed externalities to come in and really blow us apart for yeah. the betterment of just a few. And that I always go back to that statement that you put. We got to start looking at the intrinsic value of each of us, you know? Yes. And 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 also try to look for the goodness in each of us. But anyhow, we're coming close to the close mm-hmm. of this thing. So you know what, my 
you've been interviewed by me before, so I hope you're yeah. ready for this. Okay. <laughs> what didn't I ask you? However many things I didn't ask you that you really want to say, Egberto, this is what we need to have in this particular interview. The people need to know this. So I think I thought about this because I knew you were going to ask this question. And, and let me just say, I really appreciate uh, being on your show and, and, and um, talking with you. Um, I think we had some great conversations. Um, I, I think, you know, we sort of touched on it a little bit, but the whole idea of um, that we have to rethink our theology and rethink that so that, you know, the idea that the intersectionality of all of creation and how we are part of our common home. That's what we should be moving forward on is thinking from that perspective that, and again, it's, it's our common home is here, not there. We to move away. I'm giving a talk in a couple of weeks with Brian McLaren. Well, I don't know if you've had Brian on, but if not, you should have him on your show. Um, wonderful man. And, and we've talked about this a little bit is how much our theology has played into the problems that we're having. Today and how we haven't evolved into a, 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 a theology that is makes sense for today's society. And that's where we need to be. We need to have those kind of conversations. I don't pretend to know the answers. I just know the questions. And, uh, but, you know, I always remind people that um, if you read all the gospitals, Jesus never answered any questions. He just answered questions with more questions. And so, um, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but I'm going to be like Jesus and just keep asking questions. And the other side of it is we have to make people feel uncomfortable because if you're not uncomfortable, you're not changing. And it's only when we get in our, out of our comfort zone and embrace the uncomfortableness that we change and transform. Well, Mr. Patrick Carolyn, a Franciscan who says you guys are, you play like you're humble. I think you're really really humble because when you say you ask the questions the fact of the matter is you know you have a lot of the answers as well so um look it's been my pleasure to have patrick carlon uh who is the director of vote common good right mm -hmm. yeah that's a catholic you, outreach still doing that i'm also you do a to lot together uh, a uh, catholic for common good organization um working with a, um, a number of other folks on just this whole concept of, you know, there's a great project, uh, program going on in Europe with young people on the economy of Francesco. And it's all about the economy of the common good. And so I'm talking to people in Europe about that and how can we bring that over to the United States to bring people together to talk about an economy of the common good. And, so and the reason we had to do this half hour early is that you, uh, as soon as you get off here, you run into the farm that's that's creating a whole lot of veget or that's growing a whole lot of vegetables and goods for the soup kitchen that you guys populate every day look patrick yeah. carolyn thank you so kindly for having been on politics done right thank you it's always a pleasure we well i hope you guys enjoyed that let's go ahead and get busy let me get through some questions real quick and fast thank you for saying nice interview i bridge mcp eric hayes says Maywood looks out, there's no transition plan, and what a big deal it is now. They are scrambling to try to address it. People, Of course people are suffering. There's no transition plan. You're right. The transition between Trump and, 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 and Biden never occurred. They're starting this stuff from scratch. <clears throat> so we're a humane country. We need to act like one, and we are trying to do the same. Do, this, do it right now. Carl Cox, come on good, is not Marxist. Fossil fuel believers are fascists at heart. 
The conservatives don't want to spend funds to train workers for green jobs. They want to help mega corporations only. Charlie Lindahl liked the interview as well. Thank you so kindly, my friend. Let me go up to where I know I, I kind of dropped off with the, uh, with the things here. I'm go- wow, it's a lot of questions that came in, or a lot of statements. All right, Daniel Ledo thinks everyone who's not alt-right is Marxist. That's about how he, he, he comes across, but I think he's okay. Daniel Ledo, oh my God, you support union busting Amazon Egberto? I wanted to say a quick thing about the union. Uh, you know, everybody complained, oh, we got to go fight because Amazon did something bad to, to make it that the people didn't vote for the union. Of course, Amazon is going to fight the union. That's their job because they are corporatists. They don't want unions. But the unions and the people in general who support policies to empower people have to make the sale. These people have been banging on unions for decades. How bad unions are. But they don't tell you that all these organizations like the the, uh, Chamber of Commerce is a union. The Metal Works Union is a union. I mean, the Metal Works industry have their own all these groups have these corporations have their unions of corporations but they don't want unions of people we have to start telling people the story so it's not we have to try to unionize but when we fail we don't take it as oh throw our hands up in the air we continue to educate you can you have more power when you're working together If you have an employee-employer relationship, that's a master-slave relationship. It's an antiseptic slavery relationship because you come from a position of zero power. One, you don't have price and power. Two, you don't have wage power. Why is it that they are scared of things like the Green New Deal and they're scared of things like the infrastructure bill? Because you're not going to get union power with those bills. You're going to get the power of the demand as supply and demand meaning as more there's more demand for work it's going to force the wages up but we don't want there to have to be inflationary type of wage increase we want wage increase to be based on humanity what does it take to live a lot of people don't get that a lot of people don't get that but we're gonna we're gonna be preaching it all over and again all over and again all over and again all right, let's see who else I need to cover. Welcome, May Wood, Charlie Lindahl, Eric Hayes. I can't read all these things. Question to the speaker. Do you consider the federal budget to be a statement of ethics? He does believe that, yes. Uh, hypocritical thinking it big now, yes. Charlie Lindahl. Uh, let's see what else is to me. Stepping away. Thank you, Michael, for having been here. Bridge MCP, we are all part of nature. Humans just forget that and think we are superior. Exactly. Thank you, young lady. Thank you. You can... Just single out. You can't just single out capitalism as destroying the planet. It is humans that do it with emails and phones and texts, etc. Cow too with methane. Look, this is where you miss the point, brother Eric. We want all those things. We don't have to have all those things by destroying the planet. We can have all those things in a responsible manner. You talk about all the farting cows. They fart so much more than they need to because they're fed something that they're not supposed to be fed to get them to market quicker. Capitalism. Another subject some other time. Trump's right light really was a locomotive. Yes. Okay, I'm tired. I'm tired. Carl Cox, they all did. Carl Foster, the planet is slowly dying around us while the young people are too busy glued to their cell phones selling their souls to Facebook and Twitter. You know, Carl... There's some reality to what you just said. There really is. 
We'll talk about that another time. Daniel Ledo, common good, classic Marxist. No, common good means just that, common good. Sometimes things just mean what they say. You know what I mean? Anyhow, I got to get out of here. But before I go, please go ahead and get the book. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors. That's your Amazon link. And you can get all our books and other stuff at our store. Go ahead right here and get it at our store. Uh, by the way, uh, for those, the person uh, we had a few people that signed up for uh, the uh, the version of our PDR Posse that gets gets you all our online books. Uh, I only have the email of one person. I've already sent them an email that gives them uh, that opens up the the gate behind our website. That allows them to read all our books online. So if anybody who has signed up there has not gotten an email from me, it's because I don't know who you are. Yeah, Facebook does not, I mean, YouTube does not give me any information about you. It just says you guys want to support you. If they want you to contact them, they'll send you a specific email that, they, that you can contact them. It's all a privacy thing. So I don't see anything about, uh, I know your name, I know who you are, but I don't know anything else. So please, uh, please, please do. All right, folks, I got to get out of here. Um, let me know when you guys want to do a, a Zoom between all of us talking and having an informal chat. I'm ready to do that whenever you are. Uh, just go ahead and uh, go, drop me a line inside of YouTube, inside of the YouTube uh, Messenger or message box, and I'll be more than happy for us to conduct one. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right. I'm very tired today. Um, I was up until 3-something this morning, and then I woke up at 4.30. Try to sleep another half hour, didn't make it. But hey, what can I say? We got to get the job done. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.